Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Choose Inclusion uh, for our Black Voices Matter series. Uh, we are here today with my co-host, as usual, Libby and Mike. Hey guys. Hello everyone. Good evening. So we got our cocktails in hand because we got a special guest today. Uh, our guest today is Rebecca Henderson. She's a documentary filmmaker and podcast host based in Denver. And we're going to be talking about a couple different things, Stapleton, Hamilton, and we just need to come up with a third 10. And uh, Rebecca, welcome. Welcome today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a lovely introduction for such an esteemed person as myself. <laughs> so the <laughs> I love it. You did, you did forget one thing on my intro. Oh, I, I'm, I'm a shit talker, so I forgot <laughs> to include that. But yeah, Shit Talker is also on my bio. Bring it. Bring it. Can't wait. <laughs> so the first question we always ask our guest, our guest Rebecca, is a check-in, really. How are, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Mm, girl, come on now. Uh, whoo, listen, are people answering that honestly? Like, what's happening? Because yeah. for me, um, I mean, I am physically well. Uh, I am mentally a little bit, little bit heavy, you know, stuff going on. I did unfortunately lose my aunt to COVID-19 two days ago. She, she passed from Corona, And so kind of a lot of stuff going on, you know? Um, and I, I feel like there's a lot of things to be hopeful about. And then there's a lot of things to not be hopeful about. And there's just so much going on. So I feel like I'm all over the place and you should just get used to it. Cause that's how I talk. I'll be here. I'll be there. I'll be everywhere. So yeah, I'm okay though. I'm gonna make it another day at least. Was that too real? <laughs> no, that's well. First of all, I'm really <laughs> sorry about your aunt. I mean, that's because I haven't. You know, that's one thing for me. Like with COVID, I haven't really had a direct connect, mm. um, and so that's. It, you know, it's it's kind of it's just heartbreaking. Um, but I, I did want to ask. So you're also known as the tan tigress mm -hmm. and i would That's love true. to know why oh my gosh what is your superpower so my superpower is calling people racists um <laughs> is that a superpower i don't know I, oh 100 um i do think that uh so basically the tan tigress moniker came from my brother-in-law um because i'm i'm black i'm mixed race my mom was white my dad's black and we were having dinner and I had made a comment about social media uh, and I said something to the effect of, I'm so radical, I'm like a Black Panther. And my brother-in-law looked at me and said, Black Panther, more like a tan tigress. And I think he thought it was a burn, but I thought it was amazing. And I was like, that is a perfect description of me. <laughs> and so it kind of stuck and I use it. I named my production company Tan Tigress Productions and I've got, you know, merch and things like that. And then my tagline is what I lack in melanin, I make up in militant. So, and that is, that's just a nod to um, being really pro-Black and pro-mutual uh, liberation. So that that's sort of what it's about, but, and then it's also my complexion. I'm, I'm sort of a light toasty tan kind of <laughs> color. <laughs> so yeah, you're making, you're making political waves here in Denver, right? Like you are super active. You actually did a documentary of women in color and politics Mm -hmm. And you live in Stapleton, which I think most of our listeners, and 
to, and shockingly enough and not shockingly enough, a lot of Denver people don't know about the history of the Klan. Mm, and yeah. you talk to me about what's happening in the first ton of the segment Stapleton. And well, yeah, what's going on there? All right. So I'll hit it. I'll try to, I'll try to keep it um, uh, reasonable. So this is just if people had not heard of, of Stapleton of the Neighborhood. I mean, it has been sort of on national news. You can Google it. Um, but basically, the neighborhood I live in is a development that is made from a decommissioned airport, the, the old airport for the city and county of Denver. And the person it was named after was a longtime mayor in Denver. He was the mayor like a few times through the 20s and up until like 1953. So it was named after Ben Stapleton. Ben Stapleton was also a high-ranking member in the Ku Klux Klan. Now, when I learned this information, this was around, this was in 2014, okay? And I had, my husband and I had just moved back to Denver from Oakland, California. And, <laughs> and one of his friends said to me, uh, Denver, a Denver native, you know, was like, hey, you guys live in Krakatown. And I was like, okay, I know there's a lot of white people in this neighborhood, but settle down, you know? And then he said, no, this is like the heart of the Ku Klux Klan. And Ben Stapleton was this like leader in the Ku Klux Klan. And when I found that out, I was like, ew, gross, right? But I was also like, this is America, like everything got to raise its name. You know what I mean? I'm like, whatever. And I didn't really think that much ab about it until people started trying to change the name. So then I found out there was all of these sort of, um, it's been an ongoing movement in Denver since the 1960s, actually, which I didn't I didn't know until recently. I was more familiar with the early 2000s. Uh, sorry, if there's anything that I'm like saying that sounds wild and or you want me to clarify, please stop me because I will just talk, 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 talk. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, so Stapleton. So so the neighborhood. Um, they had sort of promised, they knew about this from the beginning, right? Because here's a question. What do we call, what is the name of the airport in Denver right now? What do we call our airport? DIA. Mm -hmm. DIA, Denver International Airport, right? So why didn't they name it when they moved the airport? Why didn't they name it Stapleton again? I know why, because they knew you can't be naming something after a Ku Klux Klansman and people aren't going to get mad about it. Right. So so they they knew that it was a well they always said, no, 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 Stapleton it won't be used in branding. It's just going to be like a place locator. And it was designed to be uh, 12 different neighborhoods. And then each neighborhood would have to have its own kind of nickname and personality. And they said, we're not going to use Stapleton. Well, 20 years later, it's all over everywhere. Right. It's it's on top of. Um, all of their branding. And I, we tried to change the name of the neighborhood. It's been going on and on. Sorry, I know I'm like repeating myself. Um, live, you guys, live is messed up. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you're you are, you're actually telling a very coherent story. So, keep <laughs> so well, can I, I do, can I interject for a second? I, cause what's interesting is, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Walker Stapleton, who ran as the mm -hmm. Republican nominee for governor against Jared Polis, mm -hmm. um, is Ben's what great grandson yeah. or something like that. Is that yeah. right? Yes. And, and you know, it, I think it says a lot about someone when they, when there's finally this movement right in the right direction, like we're actually going to change the name after whatever, you know, 40, 60 years of trying to change the name. And mm -hmm. he still comes out 
and against that it, for, for the most part right like he had to make a statement like oh, i don't know if, i don't agree with that but you know uh-oh are you there Sorry. yes i lost you oh, for okay. a moment um um that yeah i was just that was kind of my yeah like what do you i mean what do you think of that I I think that um, that family is part of uh, the culture of oppression and white supremacy in the United States of America. So they're not really any different to me than other like, you know, old conservative families that are sort of uh, behaving in that way around like legacy and naming things. However, again, it's one of those situations where when people ask to change the name, the correct response, in my opinion, would have been, you know, we are, he's our family member, we are proud of some of the things he's done, this is something we're not proud of, and you know what, I think you should rename it, and we're going to work for the next hundred years to make sure that Stapleton is a name that people can be proud of, you know, or, or something to that effect, instead of being like, oh, he right. was in the clan, big deal, you know, and so that, those were all the things that made me very like furious around it. So, and then I think it is, is worth noting though, that when I was asked to join the rename for Stapleton movement, I was very reluctant and I poo-pooed people on it. I was kind of like, oh, you guys, there's, I mean, seriously, this is what we're going to do with our time right now. And I felt like that. However, when I heard people's reaction to people even just wanting to change the name, I realized we had a serious white supremacy problem in this neighborhood. And I became somewhat peripherally involved in it and I wanted to promote changing the name. So we had a vote last summer and I called the vote, um, pardon my French, but I called it a shit mistest, which is like a lit mistest, but shit, right? I said, if, Ben, if they change the name of the neighborhood, if these neighbors vote for it, then I believe that we will not be reelecting Donald Trump in November. I said, if they vote to keep the name, then that tells you what you need to know about America, because I do feel like this area is actually a really good representation of the United States as a whole. It's like majority white, you know, there's just a, you know, there are, and it's um, a higher income bracket. Then we also have a very small amount of affordable housing and people who are living here who aren't super rich. We're also butted up against Aurora and North Park Hill. So, so, so there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this, in this area that I think is representative of the of the United States. And so that was my 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 prediction. Everyone was like ready to chop off my head because I said that, but I was like you have to know what's in people's hearts. Like I knew Donald Trump was going to win in 2016. Everybody was surprised. I wasn't. I was sad. I but I wasn't I wasn't surprised. I mean, I think it's really interesting that your your initial reaction was like why am I going to spend my time and resources on a fucking town name change because I'll be honest I kind of agree it's like okay we there's like you know so many other systemic issues happening right now why why focus my energy on a town name change but I think you just brought up an amazing point which is that it's not even a town honey it's just yeah. a neighborhood girl <laughs> it's Denver right right, right. and well, like white supremacy rears its head in all of these ways that people don't think about, right? Like everyone thinks yeah. white supremacy, they think deep South, they think about lynchings, they think about like these mm -mm. overt racism crimes, but it's like, no, this this is white supremacy. 
this right. is a more insidious problem. And we need to put our resources and energy into things like this in order to address the overall systemic change that needs to happen. And I'm going to go a little even further on that, if you don't mind. It's because that exact thing that you just said, that this is white supremacy, it's an ideology. And again, it's trying to get people to understand the difference and, and having a shared vocabulary, right? So my... Um, in 2016, I started my podcast Off Color with the late, great Dr. Gregory Diggs, who was uh, sort of spearheaded this iteration of the name change that we have finally started seeing. He passed away in um, February of 2018. Uh, we, he was the person that convinced me and my husband to join the fight, and he did it with one simple sentence. And he said, if we can't do the easy things, how will we ever do the hard things? And that was the shift for me. I was like, yeah, if you can't even change the name of your neighborhood from a Klansman, then like, how are we going to like dismantle like the prison industrial complex? How are we going to solve the, the uh, preschool to prison pipeline that we have in our education system? How are we going to solve the health inequities? How are we going to do any of those things if you guys can't even admit <laughs> that keeping the name of a Klansman makes you part of a white supremacist ideology and makes you part of the oppression simply by either voting to keep the name or not voting at all. Um, so I feel pretty strongly about that. Sorry, Mike. Well, uh, no, I thank you for, I was actually uh, to my, um, so it's, yeah. Please know this is coming from a blind guy's point of view. Okay, so I'm the token blind guy, and uh, know, knowing how far the, the the world has to go to even get us, where we're, the, the people with disabilities community aren't even in the race. Okay, so uh, so it's coming from that standpoint. So I I always look at uh, baby wins, baby steps. You got to crawl, walk, run your way into success. And so to me, when I heard that. Uh, one of the schools there in the neighborhood actually did win the branding war and they actually changed the name. I looked at that as a, again, crawl, walk, run your way into success. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So that was, that was also part of, um, Greg Diggs legacy, you know, they were, he worked with the kids on that um, and they were building a curriculum. So they were sort of letting people know this is wrong. When that happened, all it did was make, us in the neighborhood look even worse because we're like the kids were like yo come on guys <laughs> like for real and people and I also too is a kind of uh it's like embarrassing right like to know that the children in your neighborhood are and attending that school are able to see what you are able to do what you can do now I don't want to get too deep into like the weeds of the Stapleton name change stuff, but something happened. You asked me how I'm doing earlier. And one of the reasons I'm kind of funky right now is because we had this, you know, set up finally. They said, you know what? We're going to vote. We're going to change the name. They could have done it all along is the real issue, but they didn't want to. They kept pushing and pushing. They said it would cost all this money. They made this really expensive vote. They did all of these things that were really um it was all trash it's a whole long story i'm not going to tell that part but i am going to talk about what happened last night so we have two community associations in our neighborhood um we have one that is the stapleton united neighbors called sun and that's like 
everyone in the neighborhood, renters, business owners. And we have one that's called the MCA, the Master Community Association, which is for only for homeowners, although renters pay taxes. So when they put the vote out and they said, oh, who wants, you know, to change the name? Naturally, the vote didn't, it only went out to property owners, no rentals. So let's talk about that, right? Could, I mean, I, I couldn't even believe that was the vote. I was like, wait, how come only property owners get to vote? Like, what what year is it? Is it is it 1799? Like, what is happening? So then we started this process. People have been submitting names and everybody's going through and we're in the second round of the naming. And one of the, the second choice for the names right now is Mosley, which is to honor the Mosley family. Um, John Mosley was a Tuskegee Airman and this sort of great leader in Denver. His wife was incredible, founded, did all this work with politics and just incredible stuff. Beautiful family, very exciting. And the Mosley's grandson um, reached out to me and asked me if I would if I would help support change for Mosley. And my tr the, my true answer was it's going to be shocking for everyone, but I said, well, you know, I'm not a big fan of the military <laughs> and kind of thing. However, I am a fan of Black history, and I and I think that that would really send a strong a strong message to to the to the world really right it's like we went from stapleton to this lauded um wonderful black man to uh, you know this 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 whole representation of of what denver could be or what we what we like to pretend denver is and um on the call last night they People were asking questions like, well, how much is it going to cost? And it, and, and it's like, is there going to be, do we have to pay to use that name? And they ma were making it sound like they were, the Moseys were trying to make money off of this. And I thought it, and I was like, back to square one. Here we are again with our white supremacy, right? And if they feel like if a name can't be Stapleton after a Ku Klux Klansman, right, then it can't be the name of anyone. So everyone is really pushing. They don't want it to be named after a person. They want it to be named Central Park. And I will say again that before all of this, I also wanted the neighborhood to be named Central Park. I was like, it makes sense. There's a Central Park. My neighborhood is called Central Park West. It's fine. Now, if they had done that five years ago, I think we all would have said, okay. However, in the current climate, no, we want Mosley, right? And so that is another example of how white supremacy is like playing out. People are furious. And in addition to that, I mean, I've seen posts that uh, one that said Mosley. That sounds so ghetto. Oof. Ouch. Really? And yeah. And so I, I, I say that. Really? Oh, really? Oh, would you like me to, to send you? <gasps> because well, it just, mama it just has my mind her because, receipts. Well, <laughs> well, I, because I have, I have dear friends whose last name is Mosley and mm -hmm. they're white. Like it's not, I would never associate in that, I, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like even Stapleton, right? Like the name in and of itself is fine, but, but it's, it's what's associated right. with the history of that particular name. Mm -hmm. Like it's, we're not, you know, we're not, I don't know. That's, well, that's no, but it's, not, it's, but it's because people honestly don't 
they just they don't understand and we don't have we don't have a shared understanding of like american history and it's really frustrating to me because i don't think i also don't think people really understand what the ku klux klan did and the reason i say like i I am not that old and my aunt and uncle had crosses burned on their lawn and bricks thrown through their window because he was working as an attorney for the NAACP and he was in the, uh, very active in the civil rights movement in West Virginia. So, and then I, in 1996, well, I'm old. I started college and the semester before I started, there was a cross burning on my college campus. And so oh, it's man. like, I, the Ku Klux Klan is a problem and they're a terrorist organization. And the only reason they're not classified as a terrorist organization is because they have roles. Like they, you have to be a member right. you know, to get a card and you carry it, but they're still a terrorist organization. Yeah. Well, I wanna, I wanna dive into the history a little bit more. We had a conversation about the founding fathers and mm. I think, you know, on July 4th, July 5th, Disney Plus did a huge push about the fact that the Hamilton musical, which, you know, cost thousands of dollars to buy a ticket, is finally going to be available for free or $7 a month on Disney Plus. I'm a huge fan of Hamilton, but I did see a lot of stuff come out on Twitter about how problematic it is. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm really curious to hear your point of view about, about this. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well... Hamilton, let me shoot my shot right now. So number one, I am uh, from outside the New York City area. So I grew up with all of my commercials being Broadway shows. My first Broadway show was Cats, you know. <laughs> so I I was a theater major. I, I like musicals. I can't carry a tune in a bag. And when Hamilton came out, everyone was freaking out, right? Wanted to get tickets. I happened to have a cousin in the entertainment industry. And I tried to get tickets for me and my husband when we were in New York. And he told me he could only get them for $900 a piece. And I said, I'm not paying $900 to go to a play. <laughs> no. And then I said, was, and he had seen it. And so I said, was it worth it? And he said, it's worth it if you can afford $900, right? And so we never got to see it on Broadway, even though I really wanted to. Um, because I like to know what people are talking about, right? So all this time, never thought too much about it. And then you guys, I don't even know how old any of you people are really. However, there was a, a comedy show. It was like, but our listeners are all ages. Okay, good, good. <laughs> so for our listeners, there was a comedy sketch. I think it was Mr. Show or something like that. And yeah. they have this sketch where they do like a rock opera. And they're like, finally, like hip hop that white people like. And it's, and it's the... <laughs> And it's people like rapping and there's this one line and the guy's like, I'm just an old gold tooth and I'll tell you the truth. I live in the mouth of my homies. And my old podcast producer showed me that and he said that's all he can hear when he hears Hamilton. And then it like kind of ruined it for me, you know, because that's all I could hear is like this like kind of sing songy. And so I didn't think much about it. Now it's 2020. Hamilton's on the TV. We sit down, we start to watch it. First, the first half, I'm kind of like, uh, I mean, everybody's really gorgeous and everything, like, right? But I just kind of wasn't that into it. But then 
we had to take a break because it's like three, like who has time to watch three hours? Not a person that has a five-year-old, that's for sure. So we watched the second half and I actually fell in love with it in the second half. And I felt like, I know that if I had been in that audience, I would have been one of the people that came out of there like, this was amazing. This is so important. This is like a cultural shift. Like this is incredible. Like this casting and the things that they're talking about and just uh, everything about it. Like I just, I, I know I would have, I would have loved it in the theater. Um, and at the same time though, like I have a lot of problems with, you know, the founding of the nation and how we revered these founding fathers, even though in my mind, they're all essentially psychopaths that were, you know, enslaving people. And when people like to give that argument, well, it was the time. I'm like, nah, man, people knew it was wrong then, especially the people it was happening to, but other people also. So it, it made me feel... Like, I don't want to do anything that, like, raises those dudes up. To me, they're just, like, a bunch of old white dudes that set up a country for old white dudes. And that's what they did. And now here we are. So I don't know if that answers your Hamilton question. I <laughs> Sorry. No, it's... I, well, it sounds... It, Go ahead, Mike. It sounds like you're very... Well, you're... you're, you're you're conflicted right like and that's mm. that's an that's an okay feeling to feel right because you're you're i mean you know what there's there's so much that makes us up as people and again you're you grew up in and around theater and all that that amazing lifestyle so you can appreciate it from one lens however mm. you still have, you still have another lens that you know again it's 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 never simple like you know like um i well and okay so please help me with uh uh, Nina, if I use the term, it's you know, it's never black and white. Is that is that is that bad to use? I, I, I need, <laughs> need help. I'm black and white. Hey! I know. So in this so case, it's all black and white. And I use yeah, so. this terminology all the time. I'm trying to get better about it. Me too. I'm trying, you know, and I appreciate your graciousness, Mike, in my my journey, and I, I give you lots of uh, graciousness as well. <laughs> All right, that's beautiful. But truly, this isn't this isn't just so one. So it sounds to me like you're conflicted, though, Rebecca, with this. Oh well, just that it's not so much the the conflicted is that I think it's I think it's a beautiful piece of art. I do. I think that the music is really pretty good. I do not think Lin Manuel Miranda is a good rapper. Um, <laughs> that is a. <laughs> I'm just saying it. Sorry, guys. But I I. I think that what the show did for kids um, for representation purposes, like you were saying, um, you know, like I think that that is really important. Um, and then I also feel like I watched a, a Q&A with them after. I don't know if you guys saw that. It was like a like a special. And somebody said a girl called one of the actors. I think it was... 
um, whoever plays Aaron Burr and was kind of like, you guys, this wasn't, this was not radical, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, word, right? And he's like, but I, looking back, like they're, the things that the kids are going to make now, the art that's going to come out of this is going to make Hamilton look really quaint and really cute. And like, oh, they had, you know, but at the time, I think everybody's forgetting when that came out, it was a big deal because it was so, it was like revolutionary. And I think people, people forgot that. That was all people of color actors. There was no play that was mainstream Broadway that white audiences accepted <laughs> that was like all people of color actors yeah yeah it was yeah yes so anyway that's well, why i no, i'm no. i'm a fan um in that regard i really i really liked it um i thought it i think that it bear it's worth watching and i'm really glad that even that that the theater could be open that people could see it like that with that original cast um because I have a, a side note, a sort of a little bit of a funny story. Uh, you know, the actor David Diggs, who plays the mm -hmm. uh, Thomas Jefferson and I think Lafayette, but yep. he, he, I met him in Sundance uh, earlier this year and <laughs> I didn't know he was in Hamilton. I was like, that's Mr. Noodle from Sesame Street. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. oh that's amazing and now i know why he's famous and so i was putting up some pictures i had of me with him and everyone was like freaking out and i was like yeah it's mr noodle what <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that i want to make sure that we cover though before we we end our our episode was it's something it's not going to be a five minute thing like let's let's dive into this um you mentioned earlier that you're mixed race mm -hmm. and i think in the black voices matter series we haven't really explored that right mm. what does that mean to be mixed race how does that fit into identity politics and everything that's happening right now I was wondering if you could just speak to that I mean that is thank you for that that question because my my mixed race identity is in some ways new to me um because I'm what they call a loving generation baby. There's sort of a, a term. It's for babies who were born after 1967, um, Loving versus Virginia, which was the case that made interracial marriage legal uh, in all 50 states. And you think that's 1967. My parents got married in 1971. So at that time, I was born in the late 70s and you didn't, there wasn't a bi, it wasn't about being biracial. You were black, which has very unfortunate and tragic ties to the laws around uh, slavery. And so uh, the law is actually called hypodescension. It means one drop of black blood makes you black. Um, and they would also go by, because it originally was just by the mother. So if your mother was born free, then the child was born free. However, there were so many um, masters who were raping the, the people, um, raping the enslaved people. So anyway, there's just so much heavy stuff in, in, this, in the, that part of our history. And so 
I always grew up saying I was black. I never was like, oh, I'm white. You know, I just would be like, oh, no, I'm black. And sometimes I would say I was mixed, but generally speaking, black is sort of how I identified. And the reason for that, you know, looking back, I've had a lot of years to think about this, right? But is because people were always othering me. Now, two things were going on at that time is one, my complexion was also darker as a child. Um, so I think that kind of played into it. And I was in a, grew up in an all white suburb. So I looked different and I did stand out. I didn't look like a white kid. They couldn't tell that I was black, but they knew I wasn't white. And so that was a question that I was asked all the time. What are you? What are you? What are you? You know, and I, it just uh, made me so angry for most of my life because I would be like, why are people asking me this? And so it showed me that race, how important race is from a very, very young age, right? Where people are trying to pigeonhole you and sort of put you into this box. Um, and then as an adult, my husband is also mixed race and he's very white presenting. Uh, however, he is black <laughs> also. And he identifies though as mixed race. And it started to make me think about it um, more. And then when I had my son is when things really kind of took off because I thought I was having a little tan tiger. I thought I was going to have a little boy that looked like a little Puerto Rican, just like mama, you know, kind of thing. And he came out so white, like red hair, blue eyes. His skin is so fair, you know, and I, it, it sounds silly, but it like gave me pause and it made me start to think about like, okay, well, what is black if this is my son, you know, how black am I? And ultimately I fall on black is of course about the level of like melanin in your blood and your phenotypes and the way that you present because that has such deep impact on our lives. And there's also black culture. There's also a black family. There's also roots. There's, you know, it's the blood in my veins. It's my DNA. It's, it's, it's all of those things. And so I always say, you know, I'm black and I'm proud. And I think that there's, there's so much colorism. Colorism is, um, I don't know, I'm assuming that your listeners know what colorism is, but maybe they don't. In case but colorism is just, just basically the closer you are to white, the better it is, right? So it's like, if you're black, get back. If you're brown, you down, you know, stick around. And if you're, you know, and if you're white, you're all right or something like that. And as a light-skinned black person that is usually mistaken for Latina, like I know I don't, walk in the world the same way that my darker complected brothers and sisters do, right? So I'm aware of that. However, I think what people maybe don't understand or I perceive them to not understand is that the reason I'm crying when, you know, Elijah McLean is is killed by the police is because I see my family member like that, you know? And there's this I identify as black. And when I see, like, I feel that's just, that's how I feel. Right. And so living in Colorado has been really um, challenging to me around that because Denver is not a particularly diverse place to live. And I don't fit into the two categories of races that people understand here, which is black and Mexican. I'm not saying that that's the proper terminology. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah, that's, that's what that's it is in Denver, right? It's your black or your Mexican. And I, 
think that my ambiguity makes people um, uncomfortable. The other part is I feel kind of I feel kind of whitewashed here in a way I've not felt in places that I've I've lived before. Um, Oakland, you know, Madrid, like <laughs> just I just didn't. It, it's really strange to me that people were so surprised that I'm black. And because in New York, it's like, oh, even though they would ask me what I am, if I say I'm black, they're like, oh, word. And that's the end of it. Not, you must have a white mother. You're white. You're, you know, so it's like here, it's because I think they are just not accustomed to seeing, there's not a lot of racial diversity here. So anything that isn't black, Mexican, or Vietnamese, I guess, um, <laughs> is it in Denver? I don't know if that answered your question. I'm so sorry, hun. No, kind of. I mean, you know, I have a lot of friends now. So I think it's interesting that you were born in this generation where there just wasn't as much mixed racial stuff, but like in mm -hmm. our generation now. So I think I'm, I'm maybe two years younger than you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm guessing based on what you said earlier. <laughs> yeah. But I'll also say, I'll also say though, that, um, I being mixed with black is different than any other mix. So that is why when you asked if I wanted to speak on this, like I know that, you know, oftentimes Hollywood is, you know, is always casting like half black, half white people. Obama was a mixed person, right? But nobody's like, Obama's mixed. They're like, he's black, right? And it's because we base it entirely on like phenotypes, right? Okay. And actually, that was kind of one of the questions I had about about you and your kid, because I have a lot of friends um, who have, you know, a lot, a lot of white friends who mar married black and brown people, and a lot of brown and black people who married white friends, and then they have kids now. And one of the things that I've seen consistently happen is for the mothers who are white, and their kids appear darker skinned, people are always assuming they adopted them, mm. or the kids whose mom is darker skinned and their kids are whiter skinned they assume that they are the nanny oh yeah yep. that's me that's me in mm -hmm. stapleton yeah people don't know yeah. but when we're out when it's my husband my husband's skin is is white you know he has curly hair and whatever but like his skin is is light colored when we're all together people are not as um surprised by this right but i will tell you that when we flew to Florida um, early before the pandemic, um, my husband was like, I brought your passport because it was an emergency. We were going to see, you know, going to see his dad. His dad was um, passing. And it was, my husband was like, I brought your passport too. And he's like, I just, I'm just nervous. Like I just, and Kingston's, he brought our son's passport because he was like, well, I'm just scared. Like what if something happens and like, they don't think you're his mom. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and that, I mean, the reality is I, I've lost him on the playground. <laughs> like, I'm like, which one of these blonde <laughs> children uh, is mine? <laughs> like, yeah. like I confused him once at daycare for the other kid. And I was like, Ugh. but it's like, yeah, he doesn't. And, the, but then the funny part about it is he looks so much like my father. It is kind of incredible, but people can't see the family resemblance because of his fairer complexion. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah, so people confuse you for that. There's a lot, 
there's a lot of stuff that goes that goes into mixed race identity and I actually have a film about it um it's called all mixed up are changing racial identities and I host uh now an annual event um called more than one box mtob and that'll be i think it's august 22nd this year like we're just doing it online but i'll i, I screen my film um we talk about sort of the the differences um in being mixed race and trying to find you know your community around that and as i said my thing is i do think it is different to be mixed with black because when you're mixed with black there's a lot of there's just a lot there and that is like a whole other episode I think that's like a big topic but I it's because of the colorism piece right so yeah. what is what what's the site for the for that for the more than one box I'm gonna uh, put it you in can go to people. just go to tantigress.com I have like a I just keep everything on one because let's be real, my entrepreneur friends, we all know who's running the show for ourselves. It's ourselves. And so it's all on one, it's all on web, yeah. one website, tantigers.com. And I do have a link to that. And I have, um, yeah, I, I think that, and we have a Facebook group you can, uh, um, called All Mixed Up um are changing racial identities uh but just make sure you answer the questions or i really will not let you in the group so if you've been on the waiting list a long time it's because you didn't answer the question <laughs> uh, well yeah and you're right you know you're right though this conversation that um because i it's technically i'm mixed but i'm mm -hmm. white and like my dad's from argentina so i'm mm -hmm. white and latino present white mm -hmm. and I, I grew up that way right but it's to, to your point it's a complete it's different it's different if I was white and black, different, mm. right? Like it's a different conversation. I can get away with or blend in better or, um, so yeah, I, it's, I, I think we should absolutely find another time to have this specific conversation and go a little deeper, talk about your, your documentary, because that's important to me too. I, I, I you know, the, this, this ability to tell other people's stories and, how important that is. I think that's important to explore because I think there's more people out there who could help tell other people's stories who can't tell their own story. And yeah. the more of us who are doing that, the more we'll learn. Like we've all been learning since the murder of George Floyd from people like you, from black voices who like, I just, just my mind has been expanded and I can't even tell you how many different ways. And um, I hope that the audience is getting that too, because it's that knowledge that that is going to continue the change. Because otherwise, to your point, like what blows me away about the discussion around the founding fathers is, wouldn't you hope that 200 plus years later we've evolved beyond the founding fathers, right? Like we've we've bettered ourselves. So why would we continue to hold them up? To your point, as these amazing figures, yeah, they started a country, great but they did all these other horrible things. So wouldn't you wanna be better than them 200 it's plus about, years later? It's about telling the truth. It's about telling the truth. And I think yeah. that that's the part, I'll, 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 I'm gonna wrapping it up here, but I, I wrote this poem one time, I'm not reading it or anything, but it's, it was about ghosts. And I, and one of the lines in it is something about, um, I know why white people are afraid of ghosts because they think 
that they're coming back. They're like haunted by all these terrible things that they that they did and their ancestors did. And then when you look into like black traditions, indigenous traditions, like we're not afraid of ghosts. Those are our ancestors, right? And so- Yeah, amazing point. So I, I think that's why is they, and they, and they think that we want to be the same as them, that if, if this happens, they're going to be oppressed by black people. And as you say, right, when you've been oppressing people, like equality feels like oppression, you know? And, and I, yeah, so I, I think that that, that is something that if people are, are listening, or I'm sure people are listening, that I want them to be thinking about if they are of the dominant culture, AKA white people, that like black people are not trying, black lives matter doesn't mean white lives don't matter, right? Like that's not what it means. Exactly, right, right. So I just, I hope that people are, are understanding that. And I do stand by that I do believe we are 